shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Hey, come on, one, two, shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot. Shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot. Welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot podcast. My name is Bradshaw Furlong, and I'm joined, as always, well, well, not as always. Last week, I was abandoned, but she is back this week, Karina Mustafa. Karina, how are you doing? Yes, I am back to make sure everything is going to go smoothly this week. <laughs> Specifically when we get to a certain uh, playoff series, a second uh, second round playoff series, uh, we'll have to... She'll need to, to rein me in a little bit. Control. Well, I don't know how much she'll need to rein me in because I'm, I, I don't know, I'm, I have some thoughts. Anyways. There's a lot that went on in the world of basketball this week um, and a little bit of stuff outside of basketball that we're going to get to. It's going to be a little bit of a longer show, but there's a lot there's a lot to dig into. And we felt like we had to touch on a lot of things. So we'll start with uh, the Celtics. The Boston Celtics decided to um, shake things up out of the blue. So early uh, the, earlier this week, there was a report that Danny Ainge was considering his future within the organization from the Boston Celtics organization. Everyone thought, OK, that's understandable. Danny Ainge get a little older. He's been around the block a couple times as a player, as a coach, as a GM. Uh, and then a report. It's a very came. nice way. Like you said it so nicely. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he's getting old. He, he's old. Um, and, you know, the Jazz were allegedly looking at him as, you know, coming into the organization, which seems almost like. Again, an, understandable. <laughs> it's an uneven it's an article waiting to happen. Um, but no. The Boston Celtics decided, and Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics decided, we're done with all that. Danny Ainge retired, and Brad Stevens, uh, he's bumped up from coach to president of basketball operations, despite having no real front office experience in his life. Uh, he was the former coach at Baylor University, or University of, sorry, not Baylor, Butler University. Um, uh, Baylor's a, a terrible place, so we're not going to talk too much about Baylor. Um... And, you know, he's had experience recruiting players and stuff like that, but he's never had professional front office experience. So, Karina, when you first heard this news that Brad Stevens was taking on a larger position with the Boston Celtics organization and the fact that he was tired and worn down from coaching, what were your initial thoughts and what are your thoughts now? Well, this could go two ways. It could either go really amazing mm -hmm. or it could go terribly wrong. And yep. I'm kind of leaning towards terribly wrong on the basis that if the rumors of who they're trying to select as head coach are actually true, cough, cough, Jason Kidd, yeah. if that's actually true, then I'm going to lean towards ter terribly wrong because al already, <laughs> like already that's a bad decision. But I will say like, my first thought was he said that he's worn out from coaching but now he's taking on a position that is much more demanding like it's a freaking promotion like i don't yeah. understand why he would think head of basketball he's like okay i'm tired of coaching oh look head of basketball operations that seems right for me <laughs> but uh it's it's very interesting i mean he was a good coach maybe he'll be good in the front office but who knows i mean to certain people, he, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say he was a bad coach. I, I, I would never say Brad Stevens is a bad coach. I certainly have my opinions as to how good of a coach he is compared to what uh, the general population seems to think he is. But 
I mean, he never he had a ton of talent for a lot of years, and he got to the conference finals a couple times, and that was about it. Um, and then Nick Nurse broke him. You know, that's understandable. True. That is very true. And I've made the I've made the comparison on this show to Mike Budenholzer before, and the the disparity in talent they may have had at certain points in their career, and Bud reaching the conference finals with Atlanta, but he's deemed to be an overrated coach. Brad Stevens getting there with a lot of talent, one of the best coaches in the NBA. I digress. Um, the Celtics, and you, you brought up some of the potential hires, uh, Jason Kidd being the main one. Um, you can quibble with, uh, not even quibble, you, just even for non-basketball reasons, for the things he's done in his past, he should not be getting chances for success. Even if you took that out, and you can't, but even if you did, even if you wanted to push that out and be like, I want to evaluate Jason Kidd on a coaching bandit, this isn't saying that Jason Kidd is like the front runner or anything. He was just a name that was rumored. But the fact that he's rumored for any position at all, putting aside the terrible things he's done in his past and strictly reviewing him as a coach, he's bad. He's not good. I watched him. I watched every, basically every game he coached the Milwaukee Bucks, and he was really, 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 really bad. He gets credited with Giannis's development, but he broke Giannis's jump shot. Giannis's jump shot looked smooth before Jason Kidd took over, and... Now it's broken. I don't know who else to blame for that. I, I just, I don't see why he keeps getting these opportunities. There are plenty of other good assistants available. Becky Hammond, Sam Cassell, uh, Sergio Scariolo, if you want to take someone from the Raptors staff. Even if you even if you wanted to go the Nate Bjorkeren route, I still would be more on board with that than the Jason Kidd route. I, I just, I really don't see it. Um... Do you think Danny Ainge is this is this a real retirement for Danny Ainge or do you see him uh pulling it a little like, oh I'm coming out of retirement to, to come help the Utah Jazz, depending on how that series pans out with them? I really hope he stays in retirement. Like I, I cannot take like another like I can't. I can't take it. I can't take like, oh I almost got this player or I almost did this. Like I just no. You know what no, we're getting you know you. we're gonna get. You know, I almost got the Utah Jazz job, but Oh yeah, want, they didn't want me. They, I, he almost got the Utah Jazz job. They don't need him. They don't need Danny Ainge. Does, does Dwayne Wade have like any say in this? I sure hope so. <laughs> I sure hope <laughs> Dwayne Wade's like, listen, I've been with Pat Riley for years. I'll, I know what good management is like. I don't want Danny Ainge. Leave Danny Ainge away. The, the Jazz have done a good job building that team too. There's no need. They don't need Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge can stay retired. Go play golf and wherever. I don't know. I think he lives in like Arizona or something. He played in Arizona. But, or he, he was the GM or something there. I don't follow Danny Ainge's career too too uh, closely because I don't care about Danny Ainge, and no one should. Um, let's move on to something a little more serious, um, both in the NBA and outside of the NBA. So specifically within the NBA, fans have uh, been let back into a lot of stadiums, and apparently in the span of a year, people have forgot how to fucking act. Um, so let's start with a little transition from Boston to Boston. Uh, Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets uh, had relatively little trouble with them, ending that series in five games. Uh, in the final game, was it the final game? Yeah, it was the final game yeah, of that series. He stepped on the logo. Oh no. And as he's leaving the court, this man, I'm not going to say his name, we don't want to give, I don't want to give this man uh, any, any extra publicity. You can see his name online. I'm glad his name is public, but we're not going to say it here. Throws a water bottle as Kyrie, leave, Kyrie Irving is leaving the court. Doesn't matter if it's full or not. It looked pretty full for how far he threw it. Um, didn't hit him, thankfully. Uh, and that caused a bit of a ruckus, but that was following 
a Utah, a, a few Utah Jazz fans saying some incredibly horrific, vile, gross garbage to John Morant's family, both his father and his mother. I'm not going to repeat what they said because, again, just horrendous, horrendous stuff. And that's just par for the course for the Utah Jazz fan base as we've seen in the past. And uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, they had a fan dump popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was leaving the floor while he was injured. I mean, even if he's healthy, that's a bad idea. But the man's injured and walking off the court. He's clearly sad in some distress, and you just made it worse. I would have let Russell Westbrook get into the stands there. And the New York Knicks, because, every, oh, you know, everyone was loving Madison Square Garden. Everyone loved the environment. Everyone loved the chanting. That was great. I thought that was a really great environment. But one guy had to take it too far and try to spit on Trey Young and ended up hitting another fan instead. Um, that's just like that's just in, that's just indecent behavior. That's just disrespectful behavior in normal life. Um, we'll start with the NBA stuff before we get further into some of the other stuff outside of basketball. Uh, I was going to say, what's your take? There's only really one take to have, but kind of what were your reactions when everything? Because like, it seemed like it was like every day there was a, something new coming out about a fan doing something stupid. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, fans were not were not allowed to go to games for like a year and now they don't know how to act anymore. But I and I, and it's easy to go to that take and it's easy to say that, you know, I think what was Marcus Smart who said that they're just a, a little bit of like small bad apples and I'm like, uh, I don't know about that, buddy." But um it's just it makes me think of what Kyrie said about them being treated as zoo animals. And like that's really what it stems from. It's it's gotten so far away from us that these are athletes are human beings and that we're not going to the I mean, not that you should be treating animals like that in the no, first place. Absolutely not. <laughs> which is a like another thing in itself, but yeah. you know, you're going to a basketball game to watch other human beings play basketball. I don't understand like in what world this is a good idea it's ridiculous and you know i agree with you like let let russ go and scare that fan that dumped popcorn on him because oh anyone throws anything on me or even tries to spit on me you're not safe no mm. absolutely not um it's just like i don't understand like what the thought process would be between throwing a water bottle like you wouldn't do that to a regular human being you wouldn't most in most cases you wouldn't try to spit on somebody uh, you wouldn't like say these awful awful things well I mean there are people that would say that but like the, the, it's you it, there's a much less likely chance you do it to just a normal person and I don't know what makes the athlete that much different where it's like oh they get paid millions of dollars I can get away with this I, they they're, they're like you know it, it's and it, it's funny no, it's not funny but it's I mean it's a little like dark humor kind of funny that Kyrie before the series said all these said all those things about Boston and how he's heard racial comments from fans and he, you know that's again that's par for the course from Boston that's what you've heard from many athletes in different sports baseball people say it all the time basketball players have said it you've seen it from their NHL fans you've seen it in football like you've seen it all across Boston that this is considered one of the worst places to play as an opposing player because you get hurled racial slurs and you know all the boston fans all the media tried to defend that being like oh my god like no we're not like this it's uh, but and they do uh, they do this every single time where the evidence keeps mounting guys you can't keep denying it if the evidence keeps mounting um and then you throw a water bottle at them which is you know like it's just it's proving their point you're just proving their point you know the night like the the way to handle this would have been you know like you know boo Kyrie if he touches the ball like chant you know f you Kyrie if he like touches the ball or whatever you if you really want to but 
you're you're just proving the pro their point. You're proving that you're just being like you're pr you're proving all the stereotypes of a Boston correct. And I mean, it's not even just a stereotype; it is just true at this point. But I, I also want to get your quick take on, on the logo issue because there. Okay. Uh, so there were uh, just a couple. There were uh, there was a small section of there was some a lot of Boston media and a lot of non-Boston. There was a couple non-Boston media saying you know the logo's sacred and the logo is like if you're stepping on the Boston Celtics logo, it's you're disrespecting the history behind the Boston Celtics, disrespecting Bill Russell, you're disrespecting Red Auerbach, you're disrespecting I don't know Larry Bird. Um, I I don't think. Bill Russell. I mean, maybe Bill Russell took a little bit of offense to it, but I don't. I, I don't want to say. Nah, that nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I mean, nah. Kevin Garnett took a little bit of disrespect to it, but it's Kevin Garnett. He also has no room to talk here because he is one of the most insane trash talkers and said some of the most disgusting things to specifically Charlie Villanueva um, that I've ever heard on a basketball court. What is your take on the logo situation? Okay, so let me tell you when the video of like Kyrie stepping on the logo when it first came out I watched it and the caption was Kyrie showing his true colors mm -hmm. I watched it and I'm like I don't know what's going on here he's just walking like I didn't even realize what he had been doing I watched the video three times and I could right. not figure out what he was doing and so I started reading the comments and then people started talking about how he's stepping on the logo and then I went back and like he does like a little bit of a thing there at the stomps, end. Yeah, the stomp and he drags the foot a little bit. And I was like, okay, I understand that. But if it took me three tries to <laughs> watch this video and understand what's going on, mm. clearly it's not that big of a deal. And especially like the thing is, so what if he stomped on it? That logo gets run on throughout the entire game. It's not going to get injured. Nothing's going to happen to it. It's just a sticker on the floor. It gets taken away for hockey games. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And it just goes back to that whole thing. Like, they care more about a sticker than of a human being. And, like, that's a huge problem right there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I Obviously, I feel the same way. I think it's a little silly. Like, obviously, like, Kyrie intended something by doing that or else he wouldn't have done it. Like, obviously, intended to, like, you know be like hey you know and good for him F yeah of course <laughs> like it's just like it's fun it's a little fun trash talk like it's the same thing as like you booing him it's the same thing if you want to chant f you Kyrie, it's the same thing he's doing the exact same thing he's not trying to like say oh you know bill russell screw bill russell he's not doing that that's not what he's it's doing. not like he stepped on a on a celtics player <laughs> like, like right <laughs> he didn't like go up to like he didn't go up to like peyton pritchard and slap him in the face like he didn't <laughs> i mean i would love to see it but I, he didn't he didn't do that he just stepped on the logo let's all take a deep breath and relax um so outside of basketball uh i'll mostly let karina carry this because obviously tennis is her world i i mean i have my opinions on it too but this is obviously karina's thing naomi osaka stopped doing media at the french open she announced that before the event she announced it ahead of time and she said she would take any fine uh the french open finder she again she was okay with that she took the fifteen thousand dollar fine she was okay with that. They then threatened to take further action if she kept skipping media while she was doing the tournament with, you know, the biggest threat being disqualification. She said, you know what? You can't fire me if I'm going to quit. Instead, I got the money. I don't need this tournament. I'll see you guys later. She had to put out a statement apologizing. Um, again, citing that she was skipping the tournament for mental, skipping the media for mental health issues, that public speaking gives her a lot of anxiety. And that's something that gives a lot of people anxiety. I used to have, I struggled a lot with anxiety uh, with public speaking when I was in high school. I hated doing presentations. Uh, I hated doing drama class. Uh, it was it was awful. Um, 
yeah, so she's not doing media. She's, I believe she's pulled out of another event since then. Uh, she's still on the schedule for Wimbledon as of right now. Um, but obviously, I'll let Karina take this from here. Yeah, so I just want to give a little bit of insight to Naomi Osaka for those who don't know back in 2018 she won her first Grand Slam uh, at the US Open against her idol Serena Williams but there were some some drama that transpired uh, during that match when there was an issue with Serena Williams coach where the umpire thought that he was giving like some sort of sign with his hands and you're not allowed to coach during a Grand Slam from the coach's box and it ended up in like uh, frustration and like fights and then Serena got mad at the umpire games were taken away it was a whole thing but Naomi Osaka who's on the other side of the court doesn't really know what's happening um, because you know they, the players don't have like the commentators there kind of telling you what's going on so Naomi Osaka doesn't know what's happening she ends up winning but the crowd is really really upset so 20-year-old Naomi Osaka is up there getting her trophy, saying her speech, and she's getting booed. She's getting booed by a U.S. Open crowd because of the events that transpired. She doesn't know why. She thinks she's getting booed. Like, she thinks that they're unhappy because Serena lost. But that, when in reality, that's not what happened. That is just such a traumatizing experience for a 20-year-old on a big stage for the first time. And then that's where she cited her depression and anxiety from then so she's been suffering since then and if you know her she's a very shy person like she doesn't really come out of her shell and so getting anxiety to doing press conferences is super understandable because of everything that's happened to her so far and i just think the lack of compassion from the grand slams to say okay thank you for telling us about this problem how can we work together to solve this because i think that if they took that approach she wouldn't have ended up skipping press for the whole time they could have worked something out and you know you need to have this kind of discussions with your journalists as well too because literally a day after this osaka stuff happened at the french open a journalist asked 18 year old coco goff in a in a press conference, you know, a lot of people compare you and Serena Williams because you're both black. As if that's a question you should ask in a press conference. Their games are not the same. And to compare them because of their race, like these are the types of questions that are pushing athletes away from press conferences. And the the bridge between the uh, the fans and the athletes, like, we need that, but if you're gonna have journalists asking questions like this and constantly having those negative narratives around them, like we have to change it, you know? And I just, it made me, it made me so, the whole situation made me so upset. And the fact that the French Open put out a statement after many, many statements saying, okay, I'm sorry, uh, let's actually work together to do this. It was, it seemed like you should have just done this from the first place. And one more thing, the French Open director, after the Osaka stuff happened, he came out with his own statement, whatever, with the tournament. And then he declined to take any questions from the press. Of course. And I just don't even know, like, are you that dumb? Or do you see the irony he in what he you're saying? Does not, he does not at all. Nope. Guaranteed. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I, I cannot believe this. And it was just it was just a situation that and, you know, it was a situation that could have been avoided if there had just been compassion from mm -hmm. the Grand Slams. 
Uh, going back quickly to, I don't want to get too deep into like a tennis kind of conversation here, but I've, I've watched a lot of Naomi Osaka press conferences just because like she's my favorite. She's one of my favorite athletes in the world. I think the way she handles herself is amazing. She's obviously one of the best tennis players in the world. You could debate if she's number one. I'm not the one to debate that, but uh, I've watched a lot of her press conferences and obviously I, I've, I, I, you see anyone who watches her preferences, you can see that she is very uncomfortable in those situations. And that U.S. Open one in particular, I've watched a few times because you see like you for the situation you referenced where Serena was having the argument with the umpire they asked her I'm not even joking at least five times in that press conference what her thoughts were on the situation but they all framed it in kind of different ways but still asking the same question and every single time she had to say I didn't know what was going on I didn't see it I can't comment on it and you could see how uncomfortable she was getting with that because they kept asking her the same thing because they were trying to get her to have an opinion on it and trying to get her to give an opinion that was, I don't know, probably negative to Serena because the tennis media probably wasn't a fan of Serena at the time for the situation she just had and just trying to get a stance going from her. But that's not, it's it, it just, we need to be better. Like we're, we're both people that want to be in the media, whether uh, different, I don't know, roles in the media or what have you. But like, what kind of state, what kind of steps do you think we can kind of take? Like at least, maybe not just the two of us but media as a whole because again this isn't just a tennis specific problem like you've seen it in a bunch of different sports i've uh Karine and i talked about this off air yesterday like Kyrie was chastised a lot for not speaking to the media at certain points because he believed it wasn't the right time to talk about basketball uh but he still is talking to the media this isn't like some like grand conspiracy by athletes to stop talking to the media anymore and like oh they're gonna push writers out and we're, there's gonna be no use for the media anymore and athletes are never gonna speak again uh, no, athletes are going to speak. Athletes, there are a lot of them that like talking to the media. They like having that interaction and they like, you know, trying to inform and like having that connection to the public, like you said. So what are kind of some steps you think like just some media members can take aside from maybe just like asking better questions? Because that seems like it'd be the easiest solution here is just be better, think harder and just come up with better questions and, you know, or just have some compassion. Yeah, I think we need to hold each other accountable. I feel like so many times like these journalists are getting away with things and you know we circle back to the Osaka thing last summer when everything when the Black Lives Matter movement was going on and Osaka I forgot what tournament it was I, th I think it was the US Open where US she Open, yeah. wore she wore a different name every single day yep. and one of the tennis reporters I'm not going to say his name because I'm not the biggest fan of him <laughs> but he asked her, he's like, you know, what message are you trying to send with this? And she flipped the question onto him and said, well, what message are you getting from it? He didn't even answer it. He just moved on to his next question. It's just, it's so much like you, we expect so much from these athletes to just give us the quotes that we want, but we're not reflecting on, on what these, this means to us. And I like that reporter, he has a history of, you know, bad bad questions. bad questions um but it's just we need to hold each other accountable and there has to be like some sort of guidelines because you can still ask difficult questions mm -hmm. it's Absolutely. it's not saying like there are times we need to ask difficult questions mm -hmm. but putting a player down after a loss doesn't really make sense to me um if it's not a constructive question then like why would you feel bad about it and i think we need to teach younger athletes as they're starting to get into it just I, I don't know how much media training they get, but I assume they get some sort of basic media training. Um, but we need to teach them, we need to prepare them a little bit better because I know Serena Williams is really good at this, where if a reporter will ask her a dumb question, 
she'll you know like she'll fight back and you know hold them accountable like i saw i forgot i forgot when it was from but i saw the other day where a reporter was telling her after she won she won a match and the reporter was telling her you know you were doing this wrong like you were really struggling in this part and then serena was like um that's not very nice i played very well i beat her uh and then she started to praise her opponent Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah thank you for holding that journalist accountable because they're not getting anything from you know just shitting on like one part of your game that you obviously know you have a coach you ob- they obviously know what you need to work on mm-hmm. so i think just accountability is the main thing yeah uh, and just really quickly I'll, I'll i just want to use like a, a quick example again not from basketball not even from tennis we'll go to hockey for a second um and just kind of the the the, the power that media can have over these athletes that they they choose like if they don't like how an athlete handles their media availabilities they can control like how that narrative goes around them. So for a lot of people who are probably listening to this that are most of, I feel like most of our listeners are from Toronto, but those that aren't, uh, there was a player who used to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. His name was Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel was very antisocial, I would say. Like he, he's, he was never the best and he never really did the media well. Like he just wasn't a very talkative guy. That's just how he was. Um, but he was one of their best players. He was one of the best players on the Leafs. He was probably their best player at the time and one of their best goal scorers in their history. But he got a lot of flack from media and, you know, a lot of the media kind of turned on him because he wouldn't, he just wouldn't be there after games or, you know, when he did, he wasn't giving great answers. And it's just the power that the media can have. And again, this is like, this is coming from two people who want to be in this industry. It's that we hold so much power, like over the message that can be sent out to people. And, you know, like, I just, we need to stop thinking like, oh, just because this guy's not giving me a good answer, he's not talking, he must be, he's a bad guy or like, oh, I, I don't like this guy. There are more reasons behind that. Like maybe Phil Kessel just didn't like to talk, he's antisocial, he just, maybe he got anxiety from talking to the media, he just doesn't like to talk a lot, who cares? Let's judge him for his on-ice performance or let's judge Kyrie for his on-court performance. We don't need to judge him for how he handles his media availability, that doesn't matter. That doesn't affect his gameplay. Let's, like we need to just be better as a whole and even not as just media as fans we need to like start holding media accountable as well from that aspect as well like okay you asked this shitty question or you at like why why did you ask this like it's just i'm tired of like media having all this power over athletes and but people seeing it as like oh like the media are like the, the athletes are the highest paid you know they're the millionaires and whatever like they should be like this is part of their job Sure, it's part of their job, but it's also part of the media's job to ask better questions and not be terrible and like have some compassion. Um, I, I do. You, do you have anything else you want to add on this uh, before we move on, or do you want to just get into the basketball? Yeah, I think we just need to treat mental health as a physical injury. Mm-hmm. And if a player says that they need to skip an interview because of it, so be it. Mm-hmm. If your article is depending on that one quote from a press conference, odds are you're not writing a good article. Um, so it's just, it needs to be taken into consideration. And if we want to preach mental health, and if we want to say that we need to talk about it more, then let's talk about it and let's actually make some proper guidelines because that's the only way things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there's just because mental, just because athletes are being paid millions of dollars doesn't mean their mental health issues are reduced to what you and I, or you as the listener, are going through. Uh, let's move on to the NBA playoffs, uh, Karina. Just for just for clarity, because I know your team is in the NBA playoffs. The playoffs are where you know six teams <laughs> that were the best in their respective conferences play a series against one another and they progress through the rounds just i just wanted to get some clarity because i know your team isn't in it so you might have forgotten or not know what it is it's okay 
Is that the transition you're talking about? Yes, it was. It absolutely was. Uh, so now that we got oh the clarity out God. of the way, <laughs> for those that weren't sure what the NBA playoffs were, um, the second round is starting to be again. The second round is when you progress past the. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to keep beating this horse here. Um, hold on, hold on. I have a comeback. Okay, because this sure. is the first time I'm hearing this, so at least I have a comeback right on the sure. spot. Sure. Um, I get why you'd be confused mm -hmm. that I don't know what the playoffs are because mm -hmm. you've been spending too much time looking for your ring from 1971 when mine mm -hmm. has just been in the mm -hmm. cupboard here. Of course, of course, yes, absolutely. Uh, I just want to know. How many how many playoff games has your team won this year? The same as the Miami Heat, exactly right. Um, <laughs> so the second round is about to begin on Saturday uh, in a very highly anticipated matchup <sighs> between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. My Milwaukee Bucks, our Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, this is a pro Bucks podcast. Uh, so oh obviously, God. as I just mentioned, the Bucks swept away the Heat. They took them a week to dispatch of the Miami Heat. Uh, and the Brooklyn Nets, as we correctly predicted on this podcast a couple weeks ago, in five games, Jason Tatum took a game, but the Nets won in five. Those two teams are going to be meeting up in the second round. I am scared. I am nervous. I I still haven't... I, uh, my prediction section on my note sheet here is blank, because I am still not sure. Uh, so my prediction will be live on this here podcast. Karina, I thought a lot about this series. Uh, I'll get your thoughts first. Um... Just kind of your general thoughts and expectations. Like, are are you excited for this series? Are you as excited as I am? Or are you, are you, I'm oh, yeah. not as nervous as I am. Oh, I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> I'm very excited because I get to watch this as a neutral fan mm. because I honestly don't care who comes out of this series. I think whoever comes out of this series is making it to the finals. Mm. Um, so I think the matchups alone are going to be great. Like, you know, put Giannis on KD, put your own heart in. Put Middleton on Kyrie or Harris or whoever. Mm. Um, and, you know, I know we're going to talk about Dante and his, like, absence and what that's going to mean. But I really think that it's going to be a good series. And, you know, you don't have a prediction. This is literally what I have in my notes. I really don't know. <laughs> I I wrote, I think this series is going to go to seven games, but it could really just be either team. It's yeah. tough. Um, my heart, My heart says Nets. <laughs> my 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 head is just confused but my heart says nets okay so we'll start with Don well you mentioned him. we'll start with Dante DiVincenzo uh in game three he suffered a ankle injury he tore a ligament in his ankle uh so he'll be out for the rest of the playoffs um I'm really holding back giving my real thoughts on that on what occurred in that injury because part of it was due to Goran Dragic pulling his jersey and Goran Dragic is who I'm going to hold. Dirty player. I'm going to uh, withhold my thoughts on what Goran Dragic did in that series. Um, so he'll be out for the rest of the playoffs. Obviously, that uh, puts the Bucks down a starter. Puts the Bucks down a real guard defender. Uh, you can consider Dante DiVincenzo their fifth starter. He's their fifth most important starter. That is very true. But he was their second best guard defender on their team, and they won't have him. So. That forces them to, forces everyone to, you know, play a role up. That you could have had Dante on Kyrie, you could have had Drew on Harden, and you know, let a bunch of rotation, like rotate a bunch of guys off of KD. This will force, obviously, you know, now you force like, okay, who's going to be guarding? Where's, where's Pat Connaughton going to do? If they start Brent Forbes, what's he going to do? Like, is he going to get hunted on matchups? What, like, how much of an impact do you think? Like, does this, does Dante DiVincenzo sway 
your thoughts? Because obviously Jeff Green is out right now too. He'll at least miss. I think he'll at least miss the first game with a, I think it's like a strained plantar fascia in his foot, which is where plantar fascia is, I believe. Um, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not a. Do I'm not a doctor here. I, I, I asked for my PhD <laughs> yesterday, but didn't get it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how much of an impact do you think Dante Divincenzo being out will have on this series? It's definitely going to hurt. I mean, he was so good at cleaning things up and, you know, being that impactful start, uh, scorer. And like you said, like, he was an important starter. And I I, I think they're going to be okay without him. I, I think. It's really hard to, like, gauge how much it's going to hurt them because it's not really a fair test against Miami, who's a team. Like, they didn't really do that well. And, you know, about Dragic, trust me, as a Raptors fan... <laughs> I understand. There is no other like team that understands as much as we do. Um, but you know, I we've had our beef with Miami. It's <laughs> it's that's a whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm 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 not too worried. But again, I think I'm, I need to see a couple of games happen before I have like a solid opinion on that. Because this it, it kind of does, and this will get into uh, kind of our next uh, talking point here, but. You kind of saw it in the one game where Pat started the in game four, especially at the beginning where Miami, like at least with Dante, you have to respect his shot a little bit. Like he's a streaky shooter. Both Pat and Dante are streaky shooters, but they at least had to respect Pat a little bit because of like, sorry, Dante a little bit because he can put the ball on the floor, drive. You have to respect him as a rebounder for his size. Um, they were just leaving Pat alone uh, in game four. They were letting him shoot. He was 0 for 4, I believe, to start the to start the game. I don't remember what he finished with, but I remember he was 0 for 4 until Bryn Forbes came in. And then, you know, obviously Brent, a lot of Bucks fans think, well, you got to have the shooting out there, so you want to have Bryn Forbes go out there. But at the same time, you have Bryn Forbes out there, he will get attacked pretty much every time he's out there if they're switching. Uh, so that, it kind of changes the, it kind of changes the math a little bit for how Brooklyn can defend the Bucks. So, I know everyone's talked about, okay, so how are the Bucks going to defend the Nets? Like, how are you going to deal with the big three? And that is obviously very important, but everyone's beat that to death. I want to talk a little bit about how the Nets can defend the Bucks and how you see them defending the Bucks' big three and even Brooke Lopez. So what do you see coming from the, uh, from the Nets defensively? Yeah, first, I just want to say that's because Pat has hops. You know, we always forget that. You know, he's not a shooter, but he has hops. Hey, don't but... take a jump too, all right? But Pat was in the dunk <laughs> contest, and that was bad. He was not good in the dunk contest whatsoever. Uh... I just, I always find that so funny. I don't know why. It's just, <laughs> it's so funny. That's all the Bucks, um... that's all the Bucks like to point out. Whenever they post a Pat Connaughton dunk, they always post like his vertical or like uh -huh, a, uh -huh. a let Pat dunk or something like that. Oh, Jesus. No, but like, even whenever you see him dunk, you're like, whoa. <laughs> no, that, so that for me, that for and we'll get to this team a little bit, but that for me was what Kevin Herter dunked in the Knicks series. I was like, whoa! I did not know Kevin Herter could jump like that. Like I knew like Dante and Pat could, but I did not know Kevin Herter could jump like that. So shout out to Kevin Herter. I didn't know he could get up. Good for him. Uh, so the Nets defending the Bucks. Yeah, um, I because when I wrote my notes, I want to see Blake versus Brooke. I I don't know. I just think it's gonna be so <laughs> funny because okay, Brooke is huge um the way that he just like always he's just always there with the sky hook i'm yeah. getting the right the the right twin brother right i always confuse yeah, Brooke, them yeah, yeah, Brooke. um brook yeah brook is the one i just think i hope he feasts on them because it'd be really funny like it's just it's when you don't think that he can mm -hmm. and then he just surprises you he's just always there <laughs> just just chunking chunky chucking shots up and uh yeah i do want i want to see blake versus brook 
too big guys <laughs> that'd be a lot of that would be a lot of fun uh that also would you know because i know a lot of people are wondering like, okay how do the nets defend Giannis? like who are you going to put out there against Giannis? like are they going to put a lot of the regular season matchups it was deandre jordan and that didn't go particularly well because deandre jordan is not the most fleet of foot and it was a lot of just okay we're going to sit back give Giannis the, like a, a, some space and we won't let him attack but obviously that opens no up wall. things yeah exactly uh, and then they tried uh, Blake Griffin on Giannis. That has not worked for years. Uh, Detroit tried that too, and that certainly did not go very well. So it'll be very interesting to see how they match up, because obviously, you know, the, again, the big focus is how they match up with the Nets' big three. How do you contain those three? But the Nets also have to stop the Bucks from scoring too. That's also a big, uh, big concern. Oh, I have a joke. Oh God, okay. Uh, I was gonna say the Bucks defend themselves sometimes. <laughs> Now that's in the past that may have been true. I I will refute that now. The Bucks look damn good offensively. That was one of the best offenses in the NBA, all right? I have I'm not here for this slander. Not here for it. I got to get it in somewhere. Ugh. Disappointed. I'm very disappointed. Um so we talked a little bit about, you know, the matchups player-wise. I just want to look at one I have one big picture question. And obviously we talked about this. We've talked about this numerous times now on this show. I think this might be our third Unfortunately. time. This might be our third time talking about this specific man, Mike Budenholzer. Um, so obviously we talked in the past that he is, his seat was warm. His seat was very hot. And he could lose his job if they don't have a deep playoff run. But obviously there were some circumstances around that. Like, you know, how they performed against Miami. They performed very well against Miami, didn't they? Um, and, you know, now he's going up against one of the best three scorers in the history of basketball. Uh, has Mike Budenholzer done enough to secure his job for next season? I would say so, yeah. Um, I think a loss to a super team uh, to the Nets in the second round would not be a failure. I think, you know, Bud's done a decent job of starting to learn from his past mistakes. Uh, and I think, like, unless you're bringing in Becky Hammond, then it's fine. Like they're like, who else are you gonna replace him with? Yeah, you know, exactly. That, that was again. That was my main point uh, a couple weeks ago. Is just I don't know who out there is. You're getting a guaranteed better head coach than Mike Budenholzer. Mike Budenholzer, you again. You can quibble with how good you think he is. He's at the very least the tenth best coach in the NBA. And if you can't find someone who is above ten, unless they get blown out. Yeah, unless, if they that, somehow get blown out by yes. the Nets, then that's then we have to have some conversations. We'll have some yeah. conversations then, but. But I if think, it goes to seven, then you know I think, it's I think, fine. Yeah, I I think this isn't a regular second round exit. Like if the Bucks lose this series, this isn't a regular second round exit. Like this isn't losing to the Heat in five. This isn't that. Like you're not the clear favorite in this series. I don't even know if they are the favorite in this series. I think a lot of people would have Brooklyn as the favorite. Yeah. Maybe that's just me trying to like get it through, a, get it in my head. Like ah, oh, you know, you shouldn't expect the Bucks to win anyway. But let's go to some X factors. Who's your X factor for Milwaukee? My X Factor for Milwaukee is Middleton. Wow, I we think. have the same one. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. So tell <laughs> I think me, that he, tell everyone yeah. why we have him as our X Factor. Yeah, he needs to do his job as that second man because when he struggles to shoot the ball, oh, it's not pretty. The team doesn't do so well. It's it's really ugly. And, you know, every time like the Bucks solid wins you'll always see like Giannis can be Giannis but you need Middleton to be that guy and I think when he he, he has the potential well, not potential he can do it mm -hmm. um so it's just that he that's my x-factor and that's yours so 
Yeah, for me, it's just I want to see him doing what they did in Miami and which was just hunting the matchups. Like, for, like in Miami, they did a really good job of getting Chris on Duncan Ro- or getting Duncan Robinson to guard him, to getting Tyler Hero to guard him, just finding those matchups, finding those pressure points. Obviously, Brooklyn, they switch willy-nilly. They'll switch essentially everything. So if you can get Chris Middleton on Joe Harris, you can get him on Kyrie. If you can get him, I don't know, Landry Shamit when he's playing. If you can get him to attack those guys... That's your best case scenario. I'm not going to want you, like, you don't want Chris Middleton trying to back down James Harden. James Harden's stronger than pretty much anybody on the Milwaukee Bucks, not named Giannis or Brooke. Uh, you don't want him going up against KD because he's just too big. You don't want him going up against DeAndre Jordan. All those names. It's just finding room for him to score and finding him ways to get consistent offense. Uh, my uh, X Factor for Brooklyn is Joe Harris. I feel like Joe Harris being that third, sorry, the fourth guy. And just, or even being the third guy when one guy is one of the big three is off and getting those free range three pointers, be essentially being what Bryn Forbes was for Milwaukee in the in the Miami series, but obviously a bit better player than Bryn Forbes is. What a um, predi- what a comparison! Wow. <laughs> just just a sharpshooter that can get open range three pointers. You have to be aware of Joe Harris at all times, and he can provide some problems that Duncan Robinson did in the Miami series. Do you have a, a Brooklyn X factor? I said the big three because big three, they. Okay. They need to stay healthy. <laughs> um, yeah, that is true. I think that when, like, those stretches of time when not all of them were playing together, you could kind of see, like, Brooklyn does have some weaknesses. So I think as long as those three, you know, stay together and stay healthy and try to defend as well as they can, you know, to the best of their own abilities, if they're not, even if it's not that great, I think that, <laughs> you know, they they should be confident about this series. Sorry, Bradshaw. No, no, I, I absolutely think they should be confident in this series as well. So, okay, it's prediction time. I'll let you go first because I feel like I'm the one with the more anticipated prediction because it's my team playing. But who's your prediction for the series? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my heart. I'm gonna say Nets in seven. Okay, that's that's very understandable. Um, again, I think I said this to you. It's a, for me, it's a very big head and heart uh, series. My heart obviously says the Bucks. Uh, my head is telling me, you know, this is, these are three of the best players that have ever played the game, uh, offensively especially. And I really, I honestly, I really don't know who to pick here. I, I've struggled. I've gone back and forth. Like I've seen, I see the argument for Milwaukee. I see, I there is a clear path for Milwaukee to win this series, and a lot of it goes through Giannis. A lot of it is Giannis. Not, you know, he, this is going to be a much easier matchup for him than it was against Brooklyn. Uh, sorry, than it was against Miami. He'll be able to average, like, I don't know, like 25 plus at least. He could probably get to 30 plus for the series if he really wanted to. And if he can distribute the ball, find his open shooters, let Drew cook a little bit, I see a path. I just see more paths in this series for Brooklyn to win. So I'll pick Brooklyn in seven. <gasps> <laughs> I just, I, I, I see more, there's more, it makes more sense to me in my mind that Brooklyn wins this series. Like, I just, it's hard for me to doubt a team with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Like, it's just, as much as it hurts me, because this is a year, like, this is easily, I could easily see the Bucks win the championship right now. If you go through this series... Oh, if they get past Brooklyn, yeah, maybe. If win, yeah, if you win this series, and then you face the Hawks, like, if the Hawks take advantage of an injured Joel Embiid, which we'll get to in a second, or even if you play the Sixers and Joel Embiid isn't 100% healthy, and then you go to the NBA Finals and you face one of the Western Conference teams that, hey, it's not LeBron, so you have a damn good chance of beating any of those teams. There is a very real chance for the Bucks to win a championship this year. But you're facing one of the biggest, like, just super teams that you've ever seen. And their offense is ridiculous. And I just, I, I don't, I, I want to say the Bucks will win this series, but I can't. I just, I absolutely cannot right now. 
Uh, so that hurts. That hurts my heart. Um, but hey, wow. I would love to be wrong. I was wrong about the Lakers and Suns, and I was sure as hell happy about that. So let's go to the other Eastern Conference second round series that is set. I, I think this one is very interesting. I know everyone's going to talk about Nets Bucks, but I think this is this is a very interesting series. It's very interesting for one specific reason. Uh, we'll get to it in a quick second, just to recap quickly. The Hawks disposed of the Knicks very quickly. Uh, if anyone listened to our prediction podcast a couple weeks ago, you know I was very close to picking the Hawks in fewer than seven games. Uh, and another person on this podcast just didn't pick the Knicks, uh, didn't pick the Hawks at all. So, uh, uh. big, big Julius Randle fan over there. That's big market Krino for you. Always picking the biggest teams, all, you know, just had to do it. Uh, and then the Sixers won in five, which uh, that was a bit of a surprise that the Wizards stole a game. But that was because Joel Embiid hurt his knee and he has a small meniscus tear, which is being ruled day to day. I don't quite know how you can have a day to day meniscus tear. That's something that held Jaron Jackson out for almost an entire season. And hey, but he's not choosing surgery. So that obviously will delay the recovery. That obviously speeds up the recovery process a little bit. But he's day-to-day. We're not sure how much he's going to play in this series. We're not going to be sure how healthy he is in this series or going forward. So, Krina, my question to you is, can the Sixers win this series without Joel Embiid? Yes. If he doesn't step a single foot on this court in this series, doesn't play a game. Yes, but I'm a little concerned. (laughs) And by little, I mean a lot. (laughs) Um, I think, oh God, it's so (laughs) unfortunate. I'm so upset with this because Mm -hmm. I really thought like the 76ers were up there. Like this Mm -hmm. was their year to actually, you know, do something. And then this happens. And like after the season that Embiid had, you know, I just, I feel so bad for the guy. Like I, I, I I mean, I don't know why I feel bad for him, but I just do. I you want to see them succeed. Want to see them succeed? That's just. I feel like I felt guilty ever since we had that buzzer beater. Oh, don't feel. Even guilty. though I don't know why. Don't feel I, guilty. It's such. It's so weird because like during the series, I hated his guts because he did that like that <laughs> airplane, airplane thing, yeah. right? And I was like, I, oh, I hate this guy. But I'm still. I'm a. I'm a little concerned. Um, I think, and we'll talk about this like with the X factor. But I just think as long as Ben Simmons just steps up and doesn't disappear. Um, I think the Sixers still have a chance to take this series. I I, I agree with that. Um, obviously, one of my biggest concerns for Ben Simmons and longtime listeners of the podcast no, podcast know this. Uh, I don't like how just Ben Simmons just decides. I, I he just turns it on and off. Like, hey, one game, I'll take you know, fifteen shots, fifteen, seventeen, eighteen shots. Uh, other games, I'll take five, and I'll just pass the ball around and do all this and that, and they'll lose. Because, you know, one of their star players isn't scoring. You ha- you could have a big three that scores the ball a lot. I don't know, Ben. that's not Ben Simmons' nature to score the ball a lot. But you've seen that he can. And if they don't have Joel Embiid, it'll be forced upon him to do so. Because you can't have Tobias Harris do it all by himself if Joel Embiid's not there. Uh, I have a couple numbers written down here. I'm not going to go through all of them because it's a lot of numbers. And it'll just bore the hell out of people. I just want to quickly highlight three defenders. Actually, two specifically. So... DeAndre Hunter wasn't there for two of the meetings against the Sixers this year. He was there for the first game of the series uh, of their season series, and the Hawks won, but the Sixers were missing guys. But DeAndre Hunter is a very important piece. He's actually my X-Factor, and we will talk about him a little bit more later. But 
He's a very good defender and another great body to throw at Tobias Harris. Whether Embiid is there or not, that's a very good avenue to shut down Tobias Harris a little bit. So DeAndre Hunter versus Julius Randle in the playoffs, in the playoffs specifically. He held Randle to 9 of 22 shooting. That's 40.9%, three turnovers, and 4 of 11 from two-point field goals. Versus Durant in the regular season, he held Durant to 4 of 13 shooting and 2 of 9 from on twos. And versus Kyrie Irving, he held Kyrie to 8 of 21 shooting. That is 38.1%. DeAndre Hunter is very good. He's a very good defender. Um, and I trust him to do a very good job on uh, Tobias Harris. Another guy you can trust on Tobias Harris if you're worried about, you know, some of the perimeter wing shot creation of the Sixers, of which they don't have a ton. John Collins. John Collins versus Julius Randle. Again, in the playoffs, he got smoked by Julius Randle in the regular season. But in the playoffs... Held Julius Randle to 6 of 25 shooting against Tobias Harris in particular. Uh, Tobias Harris was 2 of 7. And versus Joel Embiid, uh, John Collins held Joel Embiid to 2 of 6 shooting. So you have some guys who can slow down the Sixers. And a lot of the worry with the Hawks is just that they can't defend as well as, like, you know, that's obviously the Sixers are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Um, but you saw with the Knicks that if you can't score... The Hawks have a ton of creators. The Hawks have a ton of shooting and ball creators that aren't Trey that aren't Trey Young. Like you can throw Ben Simmons on Trey Young and make Trey Young's life hell. You can absolutely do that. You can throw Matisse Tybel on him too. But you then have to deal with John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, Clint Capella, Kevin Herter. There are so many guys on this Hawks team you have to deal with. And if Joel Embiid's not there, it makes that even more difficult. It makes that it makes the pressure on Ben Simmons even more to like just use your size and try to get to the rim against Clint Capella, who is one of the best rim protectors in the NBA this season. So I'm very, very curious to see how this series goes, especially without Joel Embiid. Um, we talked, I just mentioned a little bit how the Sixers can defend Trey Young. Uh, obviously, you can put Ben Simmons on him, they can trap him a little bit. How do you see them defending Trey? Let's say Julius, uh, not Julius Randall, Joel Embiid is fully healthy. How do you see them defending Trey Young? Like, how do you see him like just trying to slow down their best player? Yeah, just kind of relying on the size that they have. Because even though Atlanta has size in like you know John Collins, Capella, etc., the Sixers have size too. <laughs> like they're pretty big, and so just don't give him those stupid fouls and just use their size. Like that's it. If I see another one of those towels i'm gonna i swear i'm like i'm the only trey young hater left i swear but um yeah just 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 don't let don't let trey be trey you know that's as simple as it is that is very true uh yeah karina does uh for those that don't know karina is not a big fan of trey young or the antics that trey young had she does not like the bow she did not like the um okay hey i thought it was a, i thought it was funny okay wow okay but, fine fair enough fair enough she does, she not, does, that not a big fan of Trey Young, not a big fan of his showboating antics. Probably didn't like the, we'll see you in the A, or the, it's quiet as, you know, blank in here. Well, not a big fan of those things, were you? Nope. Uh, see? No that, comment. No, see? Look at that. Just exposing her as the Trey Young hater that she is, though I think everyone kind of knew that already. Uh, but you're the last I just one. find it so weird how, like, how quick people turned. Just like that. He had a great playoff series, and people were like, you know what? I love Trey Young now. I love. If him. Julius Randle was himself, I wonder how different people's opinions would be. I mean, I always liked Trey Young. I just had. A, I just was always concerned that his defense was really bad. I had no problem mm. with him as like a person, um, or as like how like 
has antics or whatever. If he's going to bait fouls, he's going to bait fouls. That's just if the NBA is going to call him, they're going to call him. That's not that's not his fault. If the NBA does, if the NBA, I know it's not his fault. I know that. Got to take advantage of it. Um, Clint Capello, we mentioned him a little bit. Uh, how big of an impact do you see him having in this series? Again, I've I've already like I feel like I'm just going to throw everything to you because I went on a long spiel at the beginning of this already. So, how do you uh, see Clint Capella performing here as you know being a rim protector, especially if MVP mm-hmm. plays? Yeah, I think he's been great for them, um, especially on on the rebounds as well. And you know it'll be interesting to see how he does in this series now that he's in the the Eastern Conference because you know he has that Western mm-hmm. Conference playoff experience and especially I mean. I think it'll be better if MB doesn't come back. I think it'll be better for him, but uh, I'm I'm still like I'm I'm still interested to see. And as the more we go into this podcast, the more I'm talking myself out of the Sixers winning. <laughs> it's bad. I, you're doing what I did last, what I did two weeks ago, where I, I as I talked through the Hawks pick, I was like, man, I this series is going to go less than seven, but I don't have the balls to pick it. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think Clint Capella will be very interesting, especially if MB doesn't play, because then you're starting Dwight Howard. You can kind of cheat off of Dwight Howard whenever you're def- – like if Ben Simmons is driving, you can kind of cheat off of Dwight Howard a little bit and kind of contest Ben Simmons' shots a little bit more. Depending Again, you could, and that's the thing. They have so much size they can throw at Ben Simmons. This isn't a team where Ben Simmons could really bully this team because they have, like I mentioned, Capella, Collins, Hunter – and Gallinari those are all like you can question how good of a defender Daniel Gallinari is but you have guys to throw at Ben Simmons with size so I mean there might be a lot of texts in this series that's true I feel I feel like there's gonna be a lot of chippiness in this series I feel like Trey's gonna get under their skin a little and like also Capella with the thing he said the other day about how we're sending them on vacation I feel like he's (laughs) getting a little bit like oh okay he's becoming uh he's becoming like Dwight's gonna have a problem with that Oh, I forgot about Dwight Howard's antics happy. too. Yeah, I feel like there's gonna be a couple scuffles on the floor, and that's the uh, part of the thing with defending Trey Young is I think they're gonna try and be physical with him, and they're gonna try and get under his skin a little bit, and I, we'll see if how he responds to that because the Knicks tried it a little bit. Obviously, their fans tried to get under his skin, which didn't didn't do anything to him at all. Trey, that's that's the one thing is like I mean, Philly fans will try. Philly fans will try too, but it seems like Trey Young's just up for that moment. Like it seems like he enjoys that. He enjoys like the 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 fu Trey Young, the Trey is balding chance. It seems like he enjoys. Like, He'll enjoy being it. Villain. He'll enjoy it until they lose. If they lose. If, if they, they lose. lose. <laughs> uh, and then finally, uh, Ben Simmons's free throw shooting has been a problem. Yeah, in the first three games of that series, he was 0 for nine. 0 for nine. That's not very good. That is um. That's reminiscent of the dude up in Milwaukee and in, in his free throw shooting. Uh, oh guys. come on! I was gonna say that first. <laughs> it's beat not fair to... if you slander yourself. <laughs> beat you to it. I beat you to it. He had an 0 for 10 game earlier this season, so I know all about it. But you know, Giannis is a better free throw shooter than what Ben Simmons has shown us this uh, this playoff series. But as we go further into the series, and Ben Simmons is free, if his if it doesn't improve, he's obviously he's shown he can be like a 62, 65 percent free throw shooter. He showed he can be at that level, but if it stays at like I think it was like less than thirty percent, if it stays at that level, how much of a problem does that pose for Philadelphia as the series goes on? I just want to say how funny it was when Washington just kept sending a guy to go foul. Simmons. They just took turns on it. They just took turns. I I could not stop laughing. Like I almost fell off my couch because it's so funny. Um, and what I saw actually in that game is that he started to actually knock knock down those free throws after mm-hmm. like because he got so many and so 
as funny as that is, I think that gives me a little bit of confidence that going <laughs> forward, he can actually practice and actually improve his uh, free throw shooting. So, you know, as long as he puts the effort in on the defensive side, as long as he's productive, it's fine. I'm not going to mull too much over his free throws. You know, I'll, 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 it's funny. I'll slander him if he does miss them. But yeah, of course. But it not, is now. What it is. not now. Not now. You have to be professional now. You're giving predictions. You have to be professional. Yeah. Uh, my only thing is that, like, if it's, it's very professional podcast. Yeah, oh, very professional, absolutely. Um, if <laughs> my only thing with the with the free throw shooting is that, like, if it doesn't improve, and I'm not saying it won't because it's a, it's just it was what a five game sample. Like that's you can't always take mm -hmm. a, like if you took a five game sample from Giannis, you could make him look like what like a eighteen to twenty percent free throw shooter. Like that, you can't t you always take like a small sample like that as you know as fact. You know Giannis has had his ups, he's had his downs. I'm sure Ben and Simmons has had stretches where he shot like 80% from the line. I don't want to try and fact check that, but I'm sure at some point he has. Uh, <laughs> he's had good <laughs> nights and bad nights, but if it if he has more of those like 0 for 6, 0 for 3 nights, it's just if the games are close, it just gives Atlanta an avenue to stop <laughs> to stop Philadelphia. And I like I know Scott Brooks in that series openly said like, "Yeah, that's something we're going to be doing." Well, obviously Washington had fewer means to stop the, the Sixers from scoring, so they had to try anything they really could at that point. But it's just something that I want to keep my eye on. Like if it, if it stays at that level, if it's like if it's getting in his head, then that becomes a bit of a problem. All right, let's go to X factors. Uh, Philadelphia, who's your X factor? I assume it's probably the same as mine. To be honest with you, yeah, I actually have two. I did two for Philadelphia instead cheating. because, yeah, cheating. Okay, sure. fine. So one is Embiid. And yeah. whether he returns or not, I think that that's going to be a huge difference in the series. And then my second one was Ben Simmons. Um, okay. Because in the case that Embiid does not return, then my, my I guess it's like 1A, 1B type thing. Mm -hmm. So if Embiid doesn't return, then Ben Simmons is my X factor. Um, if Ben Simmons decides that he just doesn't want to turn it on, then I'm sorry, but the series is a wrap. <laughs> All right, since we're since we're bending the rules with the X factors, I'll give an extra one because obviously I had Embiid's knee as my main one. Uh, Danny Green, Danny Green will be my X. Just because whether Embiid plays or not, that's another guy that you'll have to have on the perimeter defending. We'll probably get some Trey Young matchups. We'll probably get a lot of Bogdan Bogdanovich, and it's just can he move? Can he? Yeah, I know he's he's not the most mobile guy in the world. He's a solid transition defender, but we'll see how he performs in the half court. We'll see how he does, and we'll see how they scheme around kind of some of his deficiencies if he gets matched up on a Trey Young. Uh, my Hawks, I already gave it away. My Hawks X-Factor, DeAndre Hunter, for all the reasons I kind of outlined earlier. He's a really long, lanky body. He's another guy, that, another solid wing defender. You can throw at Tobias Harris. He's a guy you can put on Ben Simmons, and he just provides a lot of matchup problems for the Sixers. Uh, who is your Hawks X-Factor? I'm going to say John Collins because I think it's interesting because – in the past, I think the spotlight would have been on him. But now that they have Capella and, you know, they have Trey being Trey, you know, John Collins has just been kind of like, you know, a little bit there, like behind mm -hmm. the spotlight. And I think that he's he's been doing well as a shooter, which I think, you know, I'm curious as to how he feels about that. But uh, I think that's a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> I'm curious how he feels about that. But yeah, I think he's the X factor in this series. Again, I think for me, it's a little bit pointless to point out an X factor for the Hawks because I really, really do believe that the X factors are going to be for the 
76ers. It's just fully Embiid's knee. Like that's the biggest yeah. that's the biggest question right now is it will Embiid's knee be healthy enough to get him through this series? Like is Joel is 80% of Joel Embiid enough for the Sixers to win this series? I don't know. Uh that's that's for uh the predictions. Um I like the John Collins one as well. Uh it seems like like we forget about him. Like I like I was listing out players to one of my Sixers friends, Nolan, the guy who was on here uh last mm-hmm. week. And I was listing out some of the guys that, you know, the if you stop Trey Young, you have to you have to deal with these guys. And I listed out, like I listed out Capella, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, and Hunter. And then I was like, oh wait, also Kevin Herter. And then I like I went, I was playing basketball and I took a couple shots. I was like, oh my god, John Collins too. <laughs> they just have so many bodies. And it feels like the Hawks forget about him at times too. Like there are times where I'm watching the game and I'm like, they need to get John Collins more involved in the offense. Like he's a good shooter. He's a good finisher around the basket. Like it just seems like he could do more, but they have so many players and so many good offensive pieces. That maybe they forget about him a little bit. Let's do some predictions. I should we? Do you want to do this? I don't we, want to make a prediction. <laughs> do you want to give a prediction for if Embiid plays and, or if sure, Embiid, sure. If Embiid doesn't play? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so if Embiid plays, I will have the Sixers. I will have Philadelphia in six-ers games. Um, if he doesn't play, I'm going to go Hawks in seven. Actually, if Embiid doesn't touch the floor a single time in this series, like if he doesn't play at all and he's out mm-hmm. for the whole series, Hawks in six. Okay. I think I'm on the same page as you. Say, like, exact, like, exact same prediction. Same? Okay. Yeah. So if, if he's there, six, uh, Philly in six, and yeah. if Embiid doesn't if play, not. Hawks in six? Yep. What if, now, what if, and we'll throw a wrench into this, he misses games one and two, but plays the rest of the series? Sixers and seven. Sixers and seven? I'm going to go Hawks and seven. Okay. Because I think they'll have, I think you can steal a couple games. I think if you can, at that point, you can steal two games in Philly. Um, and then you only got to win two. You only need two. Will they win two? Who knows? I almost talked myself into picking the Sixers. I feel like the Hawks Hawks. wouldn't start 2-0, though. I feel like like, it would be 1-1. You also thought they wouldn't beat the Knicks, so how much can I trust your opinion on the Hawks? (laughs) You know what else I wrote in my notes? I said, for the record, for this, only for this series, I said, for the record, I now hate predictions because literally anything can happen. (laughs) That is true. That is very, I mean, uh, that's why I hate that uh, Suns-Lakers prediction because... I had, I had the Lakers winning that oh, series. Oh, thank God I, I chose the Suns. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't realize Anthony Davis was going to blow out his groin and LeBron James would look like a 40-year-old man. But hey, actually, I can't <laughs> say 40-year-old man. He's four years away from 40. 50-year-old man. Let's go with that. Um, so, I almost I almost picked the Hawks in, to beat the Sixers without with Embiid playing, period. So, I mean, I think, the, I think the Hawks have a really good chance. I'm talking myself into it. I kept talking myself into it. But they're obviously, I, I I think, Philly's favorite in this series. Let's look at some of the, before we do the Nuggets Suns, which is the most recent series that was formed last night, we're going to quickly talk about one series that is finished and one series that is still going. Uh, the Grizzlies and Jazz finished up. Uh, RIP Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they're, still, they're still alive. They're fine. Um, it was a great season for the Grizz. Uh, really, you know, they put up a tough fight except for game five. They kind of went out with a whimper in that one but i think that was just more so the jazz being like okay the series is done the, the grizzlies are we're done messing are, around hey, you yeah. guys are you guys are cute good job you guys took a game off us and you made us work a little bit get out of here get the hell out of here um so really quickly where is your confidence level in the jazz going after this series obviously they'll play the winner of the clippers and the mavs they looked pretty damn good in the first round 
I gotta say, after watching this Clippers and Mavs series, I'm not very confident that any of them would beat the Jazz. I just think the Jazz are really good. Um, and even though they beat the, you know, a Grizzlies team now, the Grizzlies were pretty competitive at the start of this series. And uh, they still managed to, you know, do the, as I think the, the no dunks people, they call them the gentleman sweep, where yes, they the let them win sweep, the yep. first game right. and then the, they take the next four. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think the Jazz, they're really good. I, I The Clippers and Mavs series, I know we're going to talk about it, but it's just been very disappointing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, I think they'll make it past the second round, but I'm curious to see what they do in the western conference finals yeah uh, i i also agree i i don't see as of right now i don't see the clippers or mavs beating the jazz like that's like kind of my early prediction is i think the jazz kind of will have their way with whichever one i think they'll have a tougher time with the clippers but i think they'll kind of have their way yeah because the way i see it is like if the mavericks get out of it the mavericks don't have enough to meet to beat the jazz and if the clippers get out of it the clippers had so much trouble with the Mavs that I don't trust them with the Jazz. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, my one thought is that, like, at, the, at that point with the Clippers, you have two guys who could capably guard Donovan Mitchell very well. And Donovan Mitchell, as much as I love him, but he's and he was really good in that series against the Grizzlies, he's not Luka Doncic. He's not going to be having this, like, these insane step-back threes over literally whoever he wants. Uh, so I, I, I think it'll be a little bit tougher with the Clippers, and I think that'd be a real. I would really like to see that series as much. As I'd like to see Luca have success. I think that'd be a really good series. But uh, the Jazz have so many damn shooters. My God, like it's just you have Rudy Gobert in the middle, and then just four guys just shooting the hell out of the ball. And their bench, they have a couple solid bench pieces as well. I, I like. I, I've been banging the Jazz drum all season. I think y'all are finally coming around. Uh, and then for the Grizzlies, banging the Jazz drum. <laughs> That's not okay. weird. All right. Get out of here. Get your mind out of the gutter. I thought you were going to do like, I mean, I guess it's musical kind of. Eh. Playing the trumpet for the jazz, like leading the marching yeah, band. Yeah, I don't know. Le- leading the, ah, ja- that's leading the better. jazz band. Leading the jazz band. That's better. There we go. All right. Okay. We workshopped it. We came out. We found a better one. Um, <laughs> for the Memphis Grizzlies, kind of what do you want to see for them like into this offseason and going forward? They obviously have a ton of young pieces. They're a very deep team. They have so many, so many fun young role players, but they're role players. I don't see a lot of these guys progressing past that. Like you saw a lot from Dylan Brooks in this series, but Dylan Brooks isn't that guy. Dylan Brooks isn't the guy who's going to be your number two. That kind of has to be Jaron Jackson, but even being a number three, I think they still need to add another piece and they're not going to get that in the draft. They made the playoffs. They're not going to have that, but they still have a, I believe they have a 2024 Warriors pick that, Hey, 2024 that's a long way away maybe the the warriors are terrible by then they were pretty terrible this year too um so what do you want to see from the grizzlies going forward yeah i think the key word is that they're young um i think they have time i think this playoff experience was like key for them um i want to see more playoff appearances like even and i think this is going to take a little bit of time i think they're what we thought like I think we I don't know I think we mentioned this before but I think where they what we thought Chicago would be, mm-hmm. um and so I think as long as they continue to develop as long as like Jaw continues to be the guy that he is like I, I really want to see Jaw turn into like that star, mm-hmm. um so I, I I am confident for them going forward I'll be interesting to see because I agree with you like Dylan can't be that guy you no. know although he's got a lot of like swagger which is like <laughs> really funny. 
but uh, yeah, they're they're fun. Like I love watching the Grizzlies, and um, I'm excited to, to for their future. Yeah, they they've been mentioned kind of as like a low key Bradley Beal team. I think that'd be a little interesting too if Bradley Beal decides he wants to go. But hey, we'll see. We'll see how the off season goes. That's interesting. I didn't oh, hear didn't that. That's that interesting. <laughs> oh, I believe it was uh, Nikias Duncan that kind of mentioned that, like, kind of was like, a, oh, that could be a fun possibility. So I'd be, I'd be very interested. Would he though? That. Would he though? Because he likes to, he likes to emphasize the fact that you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying That's in true. Washington. But, I mean, you saw it at the end of the series where he kind of, he wasn't as committal as he as he was before. But I mean, he's never really said anything publicly. It's always been kind of rumors he wants to stay. But yeah, we'll see. We shall see. I, I think that'll be one of the very more interesting talking points as we get into the offseason. The one first-round series that's still remaining, uh, Game 6 goes tonight. The Clippers and the Mavericks, they are in a dogfight. Uh, every road team, the road team has won every game in this series, so that just flips the narrative of the series doesn't start until a road team wins a game. On its head. The series doesn't I mean, start you could argue that teams. You could argue that the Clippers are always on the road. They got well, that's no just fans. not. That's just not very nice, now, is it? I thought you, you know were, what. I've been happened? advocating for what the Clippers. To, okay, I can say what I want. <laughs> what happened to the Clippers fan that I knew? What happened? Where did that person go? Um, first question we have on our notes here, and you kind of teased it to the people last night. <laughs> uh, is Luka Doncic a god? Like, I just, I watch. So, a, a thought I had when I was watching him in Game Five was you know remember obviously you know what Damian Lillard did in that overtime in that fourth quarter and he was just hitting everything Luka Doncic is doing that for whole games he's just he is the Mavericks offense he had what was it 31 uh he assisted or scored on 31 of the 37 Mavs baskets in game five like he he is the offense and it just seems like there's nothing the Clippers can do so is Luka Doncic like we have to consider the possibility is he a god what, what, what do you do I just, whenever I watch him, I always say to myself, I'm like, his supporting cast is so bad. Like, how <laughs> much longer can he keep this up? And then he does. And I'm like, wow, I look stupid right now. Um, and I just think, like, and I always thought this, like, with Luca, like, I think, like, his overseas experience hmm. has really helped him, like, like, he's so, he's different. Like, he's different from other Built players. different. Like, oh, God. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's built different. Uh, I think he's just got a different like mentality when it comes to things. And my God, like you mentioned that step back three, he's gonna get it whenever he wants. Like, and and it's so crazy to me that he's he'll get that step back three, but like his free throw shooting or you know just a regular three, like just not. No. Nope. Might not. It doesn't work. And but it's 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 like he lives for that that mm -hmm. drama that intensity and so i don't know like if you're the clippers what do you do like defend him like you would harden like i was, about, I, I I was just... genuinely about to say that like do you do what like the jazz and the bucks did where they, you literally just guard him on the side and you don't yeah. get a step back yeah I, like that's that's literally all i could think of because the other side of it which we're going to talk about is that the Kawhi and paul george duo mm. i mean that's your only shot for them to be really really on top of their game because mm -hmm. Kawhi, uh, well we can get to that now a little bit we kind of talked about what the clippers can do here but Kawhi had a kind of a non-Kawhi performance in game five and they lost and it's just it really does seem like both guys have to be at their peak and like paul george played really well he's played really well in the series for the most part like i think he's had a couple like rough patches but 
like playoff P, like that playoff P narrative that everyone loves, like, oh, the pandemic P, like he's showing he's a good player performer, which was always a stupid narrative to begin with. His one people his are one, still trying to drag yeah, it. Like, his one really bad playoff series was when he had two like damn shoulder surgeries like leave the damn dude alone and then he was in the bubble who cares the bubble wasn't real the bubble was fake except for the lakers because they won the title good for them uh so it just seems like they have to be perfect or else it's like reggie jackson's trying to do his best to score i don't want reggie jackson doing anything and obviously it doesn't help that surge is gone like surge would be a a, a nice piece for them offensively and surge is really- uh I don't know what's going on with Serge, man. Him and his voodoo room. I, <laughs> I, I just don't understand. I don't know. He's I, he's got to have some like ulterior motive. Like I I don't understand what's going on. Like is he even on this Clippers team anymore? <laughs> he's just done. He doesn't care anymore. The series is o- for him. The series is over. He's not coming back. He's he's waiting for next round if they make it. Um, he's maybe maybe he's booked his trip to Cancun already. Also, can we PSA for just NBA Twitter? The Cancun jokes are a little old now, guys. The Cancun jokes were funny, but the, everyone now, it's any time a series is like maybe on the brink. It's like, oh, they booked their trip to Cancun. Oh, one, two, three. I, I get it. I get it. It's, I get the joke. I get the bit. Please. Do you know what I find so weird about that argument? It's like, okay, I get I get that everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to like, like get a championship. But if the alternative is Mexico, <laughs> like, it's not that bad. Like, okay, you're threatening me with a beach. <laughs> like, but also, and, that's, and that's the other thing was like people, were, for, especially for the Heat and now for the, the Lakers and now and for the Clippers, like, oh, they want to go to Cancun. It's like, well, no, they're living in L.A. and Miami. I don't think they need to go anywhere. <laughs> they're fine where they're they they're if they're in Milwaukee. If they're in like Minnesota, then sure. Like, I mean, it's still pretty nice in the, in the northern part of the continent there we go in the northern part of the continent here so like i don't know i wouldn't i don't need to go to cancun right now um but yeah sorry let's get back to the clipper <laughs> not my desire to go on a vacation which is strong um prediction for the rest of this series i well there's only there's only potentially two games left do you have the mavs taking it tonight or are the clippers or maybe or maybe are they taking it on i think it's Sunday. i am i am not a religious person wow but I am praying that the Clippers get it in seven to make people angry because I would like to see Twitter burn. Thank you. There we go. I also would like to see the Clippers win this series, uh, specifically because I just like the Clippers. I, I Maybe that's a hot take on NBA Twitter, but I like the Clippers. I think Paul George is real good. I think Kawhi is real good. And I don't have a problem with either of those guys being on the Clippers. I want to see a team that hasn't had success before have success crazy right um quickly uh the nuggets and the suns they finished up their series last night the nuggets disposed of the trailblazers the norman powell led trailblazers just kidding the damian lillard led trailblazers uh in six games after quite the performance from damian lillard and then the suns closed out the injured and old and unlikable los angeles lakers all the don't you love these narratives being thrown around right now yes I absolutely, <laughs> they are old and they are injured. That is, these are facts. Um, Nuggets and Suns, we're going to deep, dive deep into the analysis here because we've taken your time enough as it is. But quick prediction, Nuggets, Suns, and how many games? I got Suns in six. Um, okay. I think that now that they've disposed of the Lakers, I think that they're hungry. And I think that they, I think we're going to see a Suns jazz. What do you think they're going to order? They're hung- what what's uh, a steak, perhaps? Maybe a nice burger? Some chicken nuggets. 
Duh. Come on, Bradshaw. Okay. Anyway, right. I'm going to move past that like that didn't happen. All right. I'm leaving that <laughs> for, in the show, too. Keep going. For your own sake. Um, where, where is I even going with this? You distracted me with the food. <laughs> They're hungry and they want to. Yes. Do the okay. Best they and can. I think. The Nuggets, what they did a good job of in that Portland series is that they did a good job of closing games out. Um, you saw at the end there, like, you know, if it wasn't for Damian Lillard, they definitely would have taken it in less. But um, I think now the Suns, you know, they have Devin Booker, who just seems to be built for playoff games. Like, like he's been waiting his entire life for it, and he's, like, taking advantage of it. Uh, so I, I think, like, I, I, I'm sorry, like, I think, this is a stop for the Nuggets. I think that without Jamal Murray, um, it's it's not going to be enough for them. And I feel bad because like Jokic was doing his uh, post game interview, and he was like, you know, people shouldn't count out the fight in us or something. And I was like, that's very nice, but uh, I am gonna sorry. Ah, <laughs> I, I I'm still not quite sure who I want to pick in this. Obviously, the Suns are going to be the favorite. Uh, I would love to see uh, Jokic because it seems like it, I it bothered me in that. Blazers series that it was all about Dame and it was all I mean for good reason Dame had an incredible game five uh but it, it was just it was all about Dame Lillard and it was like Dame oh my god Dame is going crazy and it's just again this is a problem I've had with NBA Twitter in general just not giving European players specifically their their due except for Doncic Doncic is getting his due but so it took like a generational superstar anyway I just want Jokic to get a little bit more credit god damn it Nikola Jokic is the MVP he's had a fantastic season He's one of the best players in the NBA, and that being said, I'm going to say Suns in seven. Uh, it's just, like, if you have a backcourt, even if Bill Barton comes back, if you have a backcourt duo of Will Barton and Facundo Campazzo going up against Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you're going to have a very tough time. Uh, I'd like to see, I really would like to see it, but I, I just don't, I, I think it'll be a nice series, but I, I the Suns in seven. Um, that'll do it. I think that'll about do it. I think this was uh, this was actually a little shorter than I thought it was going to be. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Karina, do you have any final parting messages for the wonderful listeners of this here podcast? Yes. Stop being reactionary and just watch the games. And stop, I don't know, stop pretending like players are yours. Just let them be. Stop hating on teams unnecessarily as well, goddammit. Just let every team have fun. Every team is good and every team has fun. Um, or subtweeting on a podcast. I love it. <laughs> That's if anybody's even listened to this point. Um, again, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ShootShotPod. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Jesus OMG Bradshaw. Almost forgot my own Twitter handle. At Jesus, Jesus OMG Bradshaw, guys. Yes, yes. I am Jesus. Um, <laughs> and follow Karita at Karita MM. We'll be back probably next week to, I guess, give us some second round thoughts. Uh, hopefully the Bucks haven't lost by then. It would be impossible, but hopefully they haven't lost by then. Uh, thank you guys so much. But if, if any team was ever going to find a way, uh, it'd yeah, be them. They, they'd find a way to lose in two. Uh, they just <laughs> give up after the Brooklyn series. Don't make me think about this. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Shoot your shot. Hey, come on now. Shoot your shot. Hey, come on. Two. Shoot your shot. Hey, come on now, shoot your shot, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot your shot.